You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. On this 23rd day of 2018, talking Tigers baseball today with our good friend Jason Beck, Tigers reporter for MLB.com. Jason, we thank you for the time. And Jason, want to do something uh, a little bit different today because as we seem to go through every week, uh, this hot stove season has been uh, lukewarm at best. Uh, it's just been a complete freeze across all of baseball. So what I'd like to do is, of course, uh, as Tigers fans know, longtime Tigers fans anyway, uh, 2018 marks the 50th anniversary of the 1968 Detroit Tigers championship team and a team that, you know, for fans that are kind of uninitiated about what this team meant, they were such a bright spot during such a, a time of great social and uh, political upheaval in our country and in the Motor City in particular as just the previous summer in 67, there was just some, some horrible riots uh, in Detroit, uh, some of the worst that our country has ever seen. And then this team comes along in 1968 and, and lifts everybody's spirits uh, in winning that World Series. So in, in your mind, Jason, how important is it for this team to be celebrated for simply, you know, not for simply winning a baseball championship, but, but for what they did for that city of Detroit in a time that was such a dark period? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it meant a lot. And I think um, there's been a lot of stories. I think I did a little bit on it uh, back during one of the previous anniversaries. And also, um, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, there's been a couple documentaries on it. I think one of which appeared on HBO years ago. That was very good. Um, it, yeah, it really began in 67 because, uh, you know, the, the riots in Detroit really predated a lot of the riots that people remember elsewhere around the country. It was really the summer of 67. And the uh, revolts against, um, you know, police brutality and uh, some of the police actions that summer that really put the city in the turmoil. And the Tigers were in a playoff race at that point, too. And it kind of helped kind of, you know, not divert attention, but it kind of helped give some people, you know, a, a common cause, a common thing to follow. And then, you know, they, they fell short to the Red Sox that year in 67 they came back out in 68 and really came out, you know, when you talk to people, as a team on a mission. And I think a lot of people around the city kind of related to that and really united behind this team or, or at least kind of, you know, paid a lot of attention to what that team was able to do. And it really, it's, I, I think without having lived through that time, I, I do think, you know, talking with people that it meant a lot and, that those players felt a larger responsibility by and large and that they wanted to be a big part of it, not just Willie Horton, whose role in trying to help calm down the 67 rights has been well chronicled, but, but even beyond that, to Mickey Lolich and some of these other guys. Absolutely. There were so many guys that played so many key roles and uh, were so you know motivated, as you said, 
to do something uh, for that city and for the people of that city that were that were really suffering. And you mentioned 67. The Tigers were, you know, right in the thick of it until the final couple days. Uh, a pennant race that came down to game 162, which the, the Red Sox that year ultimately won. But the Tigers come back in 68 and, and claim it. Could you say that, you know, the the players that year, was, was this uh, – was this a motivation of theirs, you know, from spring training on, you know, given what had happened the previous summer, or was it something that kind of developed as the season went along where it became, you know, okay, we have a great team here, but that became an added motivation to where they wanted to win, not only for themselves, but for the people of Detroit as well? Well, I think it was certainly a motivation for Willie Horton. You know, he was you know, he was a Detroit native, at least spending his formative years in Detroit. and. You know, he knew a lot of the neighborhoods that were affected and in some cases devastated by by the, the fires that resulted from the unrest. Um, but, but I think even beyond that, there, there were guys who, you have to remember, back at that time, there were a fair number of players who had spent their off-seasons in Detroit. It, it was a little different than this today where you see a lot of players who either live you know, back home, you know, wherever they grew up, or they live in Florida, Florida or Arizona or Texas, someplace where they can work out during the off season without quite so much of the weather concerns. Um, so, in a lot of cases, Detroit wasn't just where they played; it, you know, it became their home, and they saw what the city went through, and they and they had a, you know, I think because they they spent so much of the year there, there was a naturally a. a a deeper connection there. You know, that the, they didn't want to see the city ter- torn apart. So I think there, there was a responsibility too. Now, granted, you know, there were a lot of selfish reasons too. These guys wanted to win. They knew they were a good team. They felt like that, um, you know, they had just missed in 67 and that they might've been able to do better than how the Red Sox did against the Cardinals in that world series. And they wanted to come out and prove themselves. And it just, it it came together for them in '68, and given a chance against that same Cardinals team, well, they managed to pull it off and won the better World Series uh, of that era. Yeah, '67 uh, and '68 uh, were two you know great World Series. Uh, in '67, the Cardinals outlasted the Red Sox in seven games behind some guy named uh, Bob Gibson. So you go into '68, the Cardinals are back there. They're looking to uh, defend their World Championship. Were the Tigers, for as great as they were, and they had Danny McLean, he'd won his 30-plus games. I mean, he was every bit as good. You could argue maybe better that year than Bob Gibson. Were they still considered underdogs because they were playing the uh, playing the reigning world champs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think so. And I think just the, the stature of, of Bob Gibson and what he meant, not only for that team, but, but also his standing among pitchers in what really was the year of the pitcher, you know, people were wondering how could how could the Tigers somehow beat Bob Gibson at some point in the series? So would they be able to pull out a best of seven series having to face Gibson three times? You know, could they win all the other games or could they come up with some sort of way? And the answer ended up being Mickey Rolich. And I think Rolich's contribution to that team in that series has really gone undervalued for whatever reason. I know, uh, you know, uh, one of my former colleagues on the beat and one of my friends, Tom Gage, 
is going to have a uh, book coming out on uh, Mickey Rollwood's coming out uh, uh, this spring or early season. And it's I'm going to be interested to read kind of his views and his recollections on that season in general and that series in particular and just what it was like going up against that, that squad and, and trying to figure out a way to, to beat Bob Gibbs. Yeah, for as much uh, you know publicity and press as uh, Gibson and McLean got, and rightfully so, it, it's it's the the other guys in that other tier that usually make the difference in a playoff series. And you pointed out Mickey Lolich, and he was probably the you know the X factor between winning and losing that World Series. Jason, to, to kind of wrap up the discussion about the the '68 World Championship team, you know, any time a team wins a title, it's special. But given the circumstances that year, you know, with the city and with the political climate, and given the fact that the Tigers were underdogs, is it a little more meaningful that, you know, this this under, I'm not saying they're like a ragtag bunch of it by any means, but they were, as you said, underdogs against, against the Cardinals to have upset the reigning world champs. Was that kind of the icing on the cake? Did that make it a little more special? I think so, and I, I think that's why that particular team has had a little bit more staying power in people's memories, even as you know, more generations of fans have come up. A lot, a lot of whom, you know, a lot of Tigers fans weren't around for that team, but they've heard about them or they've read about them. I think it's an important role in the city's history, and I think it's appreciated as such and, and taught as such for for those uh, not only historians but of sports, but also just historians of the city in general. And um, I, I think lifelong Detroiters appreciate given the turbulence of that era and really where that city could have gone from there, just what that team meant. I, I know this the city went through tough times even after that, but considering just there was a precipice that city was on and I, I think that team helped avoid things that, that could have been far, far worse for that city than, than what followed. Yeah, no question. Uh, it's going to be a well-deserved celebration uh, for a very special group of players that did a very special thing back in the summer of 1968. Uh, Jason, as we come down the home stretch here in the here and now, I know that uh, you know many people, as we shift gears here, asking about uh, Miguel Cabrera and asking for your thoughts on if Miggy has you know a, a bounce back year and. You know, I, I think it's safe to say he's never going to be, you know, you know the, the prime Miguel Cabrera, the guy that won back-to-back MVPs and a triple crown. He's never going to be that guy again. But if he does have a bounce back here, and if he does, you know, appeal to, to playoff contending teams as a, as a piece that could fit in and put them over the top, a la Justin Verlander this past year, what are the chances the Tigers could deal him to somebody, to a willing part, uh, you know, trade partner, despite the fact that, you know, there's no getting around it, Miguel Cabrera's contract is obviously an albatross. Yeah, I mean, I think they could explore it, but that contract is just such a huge mitigating factor and just such a massive complication. You consider just what they had to go through with with Verlander's contract to pull off a deal there. Uh, It it just, it, it makes it such a challenge to move a contract like that in mid-season, you really have to have a foundation. Now, I know that teams expressed interest over the last couple of years in, you know, 
in maybe obtaining Cabrera, depending on what the Tigers would be looking for in return and how much money they'd be willing to eat. Now, I think the Houston Astros were one of the teams that called the Tigers about him a couple of years ago. But you get now, he's coming off a year with back issues. He's now in his mid-30s. He's got a contract that carries him through at least his age 40 season. It's going to be difficult. And I think, too, one consideration that the Tigers are going to have to take into account, I think they will, is that he's coming up on some very significant milestones. He's probably you know, a year and a half, two years away from um, you know, the 3,000 hit mark. He should be able to, to get there. It's just a matter of when. There's going to be other milestones after that with home runs and RBIs and just even just milestones with Tigers history. I think as the Tigers go through a rebuild and they try to offer up reasons for fans to keep tuned in, keep interested, and ship to the ballpark, Cabrera, especially if he comes back to a semblance of what he was in 2015-2016, is going to be a major compelling draw for them. And it's going to be one of the bigger reasons. The chance to watch him hit some milestones in a Tigers uniform, I, I think in a way that far surpasses what they would have been looking at with Verlander. So it's, I think if they don't get something to their liking on the trade market or if they if they're asked to do more or extend more financially than what they're willing to do, there's still a marketing aspect to keeping him around that has some value for them. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Uh, you still, as the saying goes, got to put butts in seats. And Miguel Cabrera, even if his career is in decline, he can still do that because of all he's meant to this Tiger franchise. And to watch him uh, hit those various milestones that you outlined uh, is going to be a very special thing, and and uh, it's it's something worth you know having him around and having him in a Tigers uniform and to keep the fans coming through the turnstiles and and, and to know that you know on any particular night they could uh, witness something special. Jason Beck, we appreciate the discussion today. Uh, we thank you for the time and the contributions, and we'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymire signing off for MLB.com Extras, Detroit Tigers. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.